Today, I'm joined by my friend and property manager colleague, Andy Medic from Sea Change Vacation Rentals. And we're going to be talking about this last crazy summer. In fact, the whole crazy thing about COVID and how it's impacted us and how we are going to take all the learning from this summer into 2021. So you're going to come away with a lot of takeaways from this discussion. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. I'm super delighted to be with you. My name's Heather Bayer and I'm CEO of the Vacation Rental Formula at vacationrentalformula.com where we deliver training programs and consultancy and everything to do with short-term rental for professional hosts and small managers. So go on over, check us out. If you have not done that, if you just come by my podcast for no other reason that you're searching for vacation rental or short-term rental podcasts, you'll find there are well over 350 episodes on here and there is plenty to keep you your ears occupied for a long, long time. And today I have with me Andy Medic from Sea Change Vacation Rentals in Delaware Beaches. Uh, Andy has been on the show before. He and I are fellow Brits and we are working on a little project together, which, you know, we may or may not talk about in, in this episode, but it is upcoming, I promise you, as we both, as very busy property managers, move on out of the crazy, crazy high season that summer 2020 was. And that is going to be the topic of today's episode. I want to talk to Andy about how 2020 treated him and his staff at Sea Change and share some of my experiences as well. And between us, we're going to work out what it was that we learned from this summer and what we can take into 2021 to make a difference. After all, we've been through some, what do they say, unprecedented times and probably are still going to go through more over the next few months. So we need to be positive and take out of it whatever we can that's going to contribute to our successes in the future. So without further ado, let me move on over to my discussion with Andy Medic from Sea Change Vacation Rentals. Andy, Medic, Sea Change Vacation Rentals, thank you so much for joining me. What a pleasure to talk to you again. Likewise, Heather, likewise. And I have to ask you, so this is my third time. Does this now qualify me for entry to the Heather Bayer Frequent <laughs> Guest Lounge? Abs absolutely. There's only a few people in there, you know. There's Matt Landau <laughs> and Andrew McConnell and Andy Medic. <laughs> Oh my gosh, good company. Thank you. <laughs> now, well, we're going to be doing more of these. Whether we talk about that later is is another thing, but yeah, we're going to be doing something as we move on into the fall and winter. But let's let's just kick off with how was your summer? Well, as you can see, it was exhausting. I've been in this business uh, one way or another for 10 years, and this was the toughest of anything in 10 years. 
exhausting. Everybody's on edge. Owners were on edge. Guests were on edge. All of our vendors and subcontractors are on edge. I think our operations manager, I think she was in tears probably once a week from guests yelling at her. So it was a it was a tough summer. Yes, I found that as well. We had issues galore um, for for a whole variety of of reasons and new issues. But uh, how about we kick off with how it all started and how you handled it this at the very beginning? Because from my perspective, I was down in Texas in February yeah. having my nice little RV, you know, away yeah. from the snow time, and then had to, had to do the mad dash back into Ontario before the borders shut. And that's when they shut down rentals here. And, and at yeah. that time, we, you know, probably like you, probably like so many owners uh, and managers, we were already chugging along quite nicely into the booking season. Was that the same for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, so we, we do similar. In the winter, we were part of the winter remotely from Miami Beach. And we normally head back up to Delaware beginning of April, just as the um, spring mm-hmm. openings are, are starting, to, starting to happen. But this year, COVID was rearing its head February, March timeframe. And we, we were looking similarly, we, although we're not dealing with country borders, but there were rumors that um, Florida was going to close its borders. And we figured we'd better get on the road quickly while we still could. So we drove back up and we just hit the ground running. And from March all the way through until uh, fairly recently, it was seven days a week, 14-hour days. It, it's just been insane. Did you not have a shutdown at all for your, for your rentals? We did. So, you know, we were going into, you know, in a, in a normal year and, you know, what's normal anymore. Um, so if the, the pattern for the past two years, you know, guests have been booking later, closer to arrival. They want to have shorter stays. We were, a lot of us are seeing that. So this year we weren't particularly worried. You know, in the March timeframe, we were going and heading closer to the start of our summer, which is the Memorial weekend. Uh, towards the third week in May. So in the March timeframe, we should still have quite a bit of availability um, for summer. So we really didn't feel any different. And then, you know, the the, the shutdown started to happen. Mm. And then there were rumors with Delaware going into different phases. And then suddenly, just as our summer bookings were picking up, uh, we were closed. We faced a complete closure of the vacation rental along with all lodging in Delaware. And we were actually closed until June 1 when we were allowed to uh, reopen. So we faced, income was coming in quite nicely with March and April, and then we hit May and we had no income at all, zero income coming mm-hmm. in, which, you know, like all of us are going through the same thing. It was very scary. And we're looking at a very bleak projection. I really didn't think that we were going to have much in the way of any business uh, this summer. And as we all know, looking back, um, like a lot of uh, companies, we just rounded off. I just closed the books on our summer season officially last weekend, and we have had the best year ever. And that, to me, is just, it's crazy. We're, we're up year on year 25% in occupancy and revenue. And we are, yeah, it was the best year ever. In My company is six years old, and this was the best year ever in occupancy and revenue. Well, and ours, The business ours, was good, but it yeah. was brutal getting there. Yes. Yes. And uh, to th- th- this is a pattern I've seen right the way across the board because we are 23.5% up on occupancy and revenue, yet we lost about 15% of our inventory because of owners not wanting to rent out this year. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, I think it hit a, for those of us, and I'm, you know, it, it, we, we have to remember that there's a ton of people out there with urban rentals. 
and those who have a primarily an international market. And I know I have a lot of listeners in Spain and Portugal and England. Right. And perhaps not so much for England, but certainly for the for countries in Europe where there's there's such an international market. They have suffered so badly. And so it really yeah. was feast or famine. You know, it's, you either did one thing or the other. And, so and we do, were f- do you think then there's a difference between uh, fly-in markets and drive-to markets in terms of this summer? Well, so, well, certainly. I mean, we where we are here in in Ontario, you know, ninety percent of our business comes from Toronto and and the mm-hmm. environs. But what we picked up this summer was all the people who couldn't go traveling, who couldn't right. travel abroad, who couldn't go internationally, who couldn't go down to the U.S. as as well as those who had kids in summer camps right. and who would normally stay in the city while their kids are in summer camps. So we picked up those groups as well. So unfortunately for them, they had to vacation with their children this year. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think, you know, from from what I hear from colleagues in in Europe, their fly-to market was decimated until, you know, certainly Portugal and Spain, towards the end of the summer, they began to pick it up again from UK because there's a huge market from UK going going out to Spain and Portugal and Italy. And then, of course, it was all shut down again, and everybody had to right. come rushing back. So it, it's been roller coaster for sure. Mm. If, if if they haven't been without business altogether, then it, it's it's just been the up and down. I mean, we and we, you know, you like us went through the whole roller coaster of cancellations and right. rebooking, and then in, in some cases cancellations again. Mm. We've just locked down again. Not completely, but we're now down to no more than ten people in a group. Right. Right. And so for our, for our Thanksgiving, which is in in a couple of weeks time, we've just had to send a letter out to all our guests saying, cut down your groups or you don't come. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Normally for us, Thanksgiving week is filling up very fast now, but this year it's kind of a flip because we've seen so many longer term winter rentals with people coming Mm -hmm. to the beach to work remotely and their kids are online learning. So we're not going to see that Thanksgiving week busyness because we have extended stays going on. We've mm-hmm. never written so many longer stays for a winter in, in 10 years. Yeah, we've had some coming in and they are coming in a little bit more now because finally the, you know, the, the snowbirds like me are, are right. appreciating that, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to get south of the border. For this winter, yeah. certainly this side of Christmas, and I can't see it happening in the February. So when you consider there's three, and, I, and this is, you know, you've got to think about that Florida market. Mm-hmm. You think of the 350,000 Canadians that head south mm-hmm. in the winter. Sure. And yeah. it's, you know, the, these people are staying home, which may be good for us, but maybe not so good for the long-term right. market in the hotter states. Yeah, yeah, sure. California, Palm Springs area. We, we bought an investment property in Palm Springs ourselves last year, and the bulk of our guests are coming from Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, d- direct flights from Toronto straight into Palm Springs. You bypass Los Angeles now, straight into Palm Springs. And it's it, it's brutal there. They've yeah. had a very difficult season. Yeah, I think because I'm east, I'm thinking sort of due south and not thinking right. about Calif- California, Arizona as well. Yes, it's yeah. it's just going to be a different different winter. So what about reopening? And I know that, you know, we all went through the reopening and Which the time? new COVID, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we put in place from the very beginning our COVID cleaning protocols. And, mm. and interestingly, when we really got around to thinking about it, this should not have been any different from what we already do. Right. And yet guests were wanting much more reassurance. Right. 
And and that's really what we've been dealing with all all season long. We've been dealing with managing expectations. We've been dealing with a population that that's quite on edge. And they when when they should be planning something that's fun. I mean, a vacation for goodness sake. They're having to think about all these additional uh, mm-hmm. issues. And then they're not even sure if the vacation they booked will still be available because there might be a quarantine list or there might be another shutdown. Yeah. And, you know, the shutdown was actually easier to navigate in a weird way than going on and off quarantine lists. So by quarantine list, I mean, the, the, surround, the states surrounding Delaware, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York, they joined together and their governors agreed on um, some common travel rules. So if residents were coming back in, into any of those states, having visited a state that had a high incidence of new COVID cases, they were going to have to self-quarantine at home for two weeks. And, you know, that posed a lot of problems. We did not have a cancellation policy at that point because there was no shutdown. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, we're working on a case-by-case basis and we're dealing with guests to say, I can't come for a week because when I get home, that means I have to self-quarantine. I can't go two weeks without work. I work in healthcare. I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, my employer will let me go if I, t- if I stay at home for two weeks. So we have no option then but to cancel them out. And then the crazy thing is we rebooked the same week right away from people from another state. Yeah. They're not on a quarantine list. It's just yes. it insane. I know. I know. We, I mean, we, we, we started a wait list. We never had a wait list before. We've always dealt with last minute, last minute bookings when we've got vacancies. But this, right. but this year, second week of January, we said, well, let's, we, we've got such a lot of inquiries and we're almost to hundred percent booked. Right. Let's put up a wait list. And between the second week of January and the last week of August, we amassed a thousand families wow. on this wait list, wow. <laughs> which is, which is great. Cause we've got now, now got a thousand new, new guests. Right who hadn't found us before and now we're um, put them in in the hopper for our newsletters provided they're happy to receive our newsletters and right. uh, so the way i see it is that we we have this this huge tranche of new guests that have have never rented before and i don't know mm-hmm. if you came across some of those um not really um the, these were guests that that have stayed in vacation rentals before but they really came with no real set expectations mm-hmm. because even in even in within a small beach town area, different management companies could be handling things in different ways. Our cancellation and our credit policy may be completely different to one of our competitors. So you know, we we all generally will share the same guests over the, you know, the mm-hmm. course of a few years at different times of the year. So. That's been quite a challenge managing expectations. The working from home, albeit in a beach home, that had it, you know, in a normal year, I keep saying in a normal year, but in, in a normal arrival guest check in, they're usually right on the phone to the office because of the Wi Fi, because the kids want to mm-hmm. get on their devices. But this time it's the adults. The first thing they need to do is check in with work when they arrive. And that means while we're still processing arrivals, now the office phones are starting to ring off the hook with um, post-check-in needs. So it really does stress a small team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that really has been a good thing that's come out of it. We really have uh, training a new employee today and I'm kind of, I was showing him an org chart. We've never had an organization chart in our business before. And that had came out of necessity for this summer because everybody can't do everything. We kind of had to regroup and figure out who was gonna be a direct responsible for, for which needs. And, you know, that that may sound like common sense in a regular year, but, you know, sometimes it takes a crisis to um, to kind of show where you need to um, improve a little bit. A lot of the emergency processes we put in place for the summer, we are going to keep 
post-COVID. There will be a life post-COVID. Oh, there will be. So we need to be ready for that again and a new normal, I guess, with streamlined operations. Well, uh, the, this this is a good segue, really, into what what you have have learned and what you're taking away from this summer to improve your operations, to improve your systems and processes for the future. And I know there's there's a ton of stuff, and and it almost seems that we we mirror what you do because yeah, we've we've always been very ad hoc within the organization. <laughs> you know, right. Everybody does a bit of everything, but nobody really right. has control, apart from our bookkeeper who has complete control of the books. Right. But otherwise, otherwise, you know, everybody does everything. Um, yeah. But we we had to to do very much like you did and sort of say, okay, you are responsible for this aspect. And then right. you're responsible for teaching somebody else if something right. happens to you. Yeah. Uh, and I think for, for us, this came about, we, we furloughed three staff, we, uh, four, and, and the remainder sort of carried on through the February to, or the March to June. We opened up on June the 5th. So we figured out in that time what it was that everybody would have to do because right. we knew we were going to go crazy once we started up on June the 5th. And we went to, you know, a seven day, I mean, we work seven days a week anyway, but, mm-hmm. um, more staff working at weekends than before and a much right. more and a much more structured. And this is probably something that will remain. Well, I think everything kind of hits you at once in a year like this, because you know you have your your regular cycles of, of turnovers and you you do certain things on certain days. But this year with so many cancellations and rebookings and a constant cycle of that, things were happening out of normal sequence. So for instance, normally Saturday is a very busy turnover day. The majority of guests are booking Saturday is Saturday, seven night stays. But this year with so many cancellations and having to adapt our technique for how we fill that open inventory again, we had a lot more shorter stays and a lot more longer stays, which meant a lot more out of cycle turnovers, which means constant seven days a week. And what we normally condense into a four hour window on a Saturday, that expanded on a Saturday because we had to change our check-in and check-out times to adapt to COVID um protocols but we were doing that now seven days a week instead of just once on a saturday Mm -hmm. so making sure that the same staff aren't hitting the same the same stress points was was a big challenge for us as a small team so how did you manage that how did you make sure that they weren't doing that i think we we learned the hard way to develop a kind of self-radar if you know that you're you're getting close to your buttons getting pushed um (laughs) if you have um then then really saying, you know, signaling across. We all work in a bullpen in an open office, signaling and getting somebody to um, jump in for you for a couple of calls while you go off and have a few minutes and then Mm -hmm. come back in in the normal hospitable manner that we work. You know, everybody's human and you can't cope with a lot of frustration and anger for eight hours Mm -hmm. at a stretch. You, You need a break of pace and a break of task. And then we had one new hire this year who has turned out to be an absolute delight, much like your employee, this gentleman, nothing phases him. He can have a very angry person on the phone, and he is just he's just a delight. So he now is our guest services coordinator. Yeah, yeah we've all got to have one of those. You know, and, and I know there were, there were times in the summer when we, if we didn't have Christina, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what we would have right. done. I mean, we're, we're not this – I mean, we all work from home. So we're all right. working independently, you know, hours and hours between us. Right. And so, so, you know, I haven't, I haven't met, uh, I mean, one of my staff I've only met in work person once in the right. last three years. 
Well, I have two reservationists that work remotely, and we maybe only see those a few times a year. Yeah, and I yeah. so 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 yes, we too had our had our times, but it you know we uh, and we all had our I don't know our abbreviation for right. I, I'm I'm about to do myself in. Right. <laughs> was, it was a, my mine is you know somebody talk me off the ledge. Right. <laughs> because you know, I think there's times this this summer. One of the things that we had to do. Very early on, we decided that there was very little consistent information early on in the summer in terms of does a property needs to need to sit between guests? Is mm-hmm. it risky if you if you let your staff go in right away? The cleaning crews. So Dirk Johnson was very helpful for me with the uh, VR, VRHP part of VRMA now, and the, what we decided to go with you know Airbnb is using I think a seventy two hour buffer on on their booking platform. We cannot let our properties mm-hmm. sit for seventy two hours. That just does not factor into any kind of accounting mo- uh, model. So we followed the World Health Organization recommendation. It takes three hours for moisture droplets to settle out of the air. So that meant we had to change our normal checkout times are 10 a.m. And then a check-in time is 2 p.m. So we decided to move the checkout to 9 a.m. and the check-in to 5 p.m. We, mm-hmm. we let our property sit from 9 till noon all summer empty. And then we scheduled the cleaning crews to start their rotation an hour ahead of our turnover agents because we send people in to inspect the properties. Mm-hmm. So that way we were always working behind the cleaning crews. They go in, disinfect, do the whole COVID thing, clean, and then we go in behind them. But, you know, we didn't anticipate that a, the check-in time wasn't so much the problem. Changing a checkout time from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. just caused absolute horrors with the guests across the board. <laughs> everybody hated that one-hour difference. And that yep. has been very difficult to manage because if you start a turnover day in the weeds, everything just keeps yep. getting worse and worse. And that's been very difficult to manage with guest expectations. And I said earlier on this summer, if you are in business in any shape or form this summer, if you ended the summer without a one or two star review cropping up, <laughs> then you didn't do any business. It wasn't all horrors. We've had a lot of five-star, mainly five-star guest reviews, but we've had a few corkers that mm-hmm. have really kind of dragged us over the coals for, for this. And then it raises the expectation, you know, we're not perfect. We are cleaning very complicated, diverse properties. One property may have granite countertops. Another one may have subway tiles or stone tiles. They're all different. They're not hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. So a cleaning protocol in a normal year is a difficult thing to juggle. So we may miss occasionally. We may miss toothpaste stains on a, on a faucet, on a tap. But if you've made your guests wait till 5 p.m. claiming extra additional COVID cleaning, you better make sure you didn't miss anything. So. Yes. And we had exactly the same because we went from um, 11 a.m. checkout to 10.30, mm-hmm. which half an hour difference, and then 4 p.m. check-in to 5.30. So overall, it was two hours change. Right. And the amount of people who said, I've lost a whole day of my vacation, how am I going to sure, get that right, we, exactly. I don't, I don't, I can't quite figure out this maths here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, and we we would go back and say we're not charging you for the extra time that, or the extra cleaning that we're having to do. So it's a right. compromise, right. and please see it as a balance. And it, it was, yeah, that 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 was really tough. And our one star review came from, and this is something I think many people have probably experienced. Was guests were so desperate to get anything. Mm-hmm. that when a property came up through a cancellation and we'd throw it up on the wait list and it was like a feeding frenzy. It's like piranhas. Right. 
and they'd come in and somebody would grab it. And then, but it was not what they would have chosen. Right. It was not what they would have chosen in the, you know, in, in a normal year, they would not right. have chosen that property. So Which we, meant that they probably didn't pay much attention to the listing description and maybe didn't notice that something wasn't quite yeah. what they would have wanted. And we had, we had our one-star review came because there was no laundry at this particular property. There was no washer-dryer. Right. Now, the fact that, as we said, there was never a washer-dryer. You know, we don't advertise a washer dryer. We don't advertise laundry. Right. Um, and I believe it's somewhere it does say there are no laundry facilities, but they haven't read that um, because yeah. in the, in their heads, they would never rent something. As she said, I would never rent anything without a washer or dryer. Right. And, but <laughs> yeah, but you, you did. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, those that, that – one star review. I mean, we actually got her because she she'd booked for four weeks, so I could understand why she wanted laundry. Right. But she wanted to cancel, and and we said, well, that's fine. But you've left us a, but and we will refund you if we can re-rent it. And I know we can right. re-rent it, but not with a one star review. So you've yeah. left us a one star review on Google, and now you want us to re-rent this property. So she did take it down. <laughs> Right. And the day after she took it down, we re-rented it and we gave her money back and not heard anything else. So, yeah. So, but that was interesting. So, what about keeping guests informed of stuff, letting them know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, this it's been an ever-changing f- for us. It's you know, l- like right now, we're changing legislation, changing um, provincial mandates. We've we've just gone from twenty-five people in a property. Now you can only have ten. So we're right. now having to cancel some Thanksgiving. I mean, we've been using Touch Day. And I know you're a Touchday user too. What we did was uh, create a, a COVID-19 news center on our Touchday guides. And we encouraged our guests to just check on that. Every time they opened it, just check on that. And, right. uh, how did That's you do that? That's actually a great, great idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow <laughs> that idea. Um, we kept a dynamic page on our website. So early on, I bundled together all of the things that we were doing for COVID. I bundled them, I bundled them together into something that we called our Rest Easy Book and Promise. Mm-hmm. It's not a certification. Nobody was certifying our properties that they were COVID-free because that's impossible. What it was was an explanation for our guests what we were doing in the light of COVID. And we used the same web page to post our cancellation and our credit policy and any changes because every Tuesday mm-hmm. the, the governors meet and frequently one Tuesday Delaware goes on a quarantine list. The next week it comes off again. So keeping ahead of that with guests. We, we just kept telling them, please keep going back, check in the Rest Easy page on the website. In hindsight, I wish we had used the Touch the Touch Day because the website, you would touch that you can tell how far people get through the guide. You can tell mm-hmm. the, the pages that they're hidden. So I had to work in the back end with our web design company. They installed some heat maps and some tracking software on our website to to see if people were where they were, how how deep into the website they were going. And if they were actually reading this information, because judging by the calls, they they weren't seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got to cope with the rumor mill. You know, there's, there's social media and there are people posting that know nothing about the Delaware beaches that are saying, I hear Rehoboth Beach is closed. Well, no, it's not closed. So here's the clarification. So staying ahead of that, well, even staying on top of it was a challenge, let alone ahead of it. Mm-hmm. I have a really good example for you, and it, it comes down to community swimming pools. So we have a number of properties that are in amenitized communities. There's a shared community swimming pool, a gym, and so on. So for these properties, they typically are a little bit further back from the beach. And given 
the nervousness about being in large crowds. A lot of people didn't want to go to the beach this year. They didn't want to go on the boardwalk, even with masks. So properties with swimming pools were booking much, much quicker than mm-hmm. other properties. A private pool at an individual family home is an easy amenity for us to manage. A community pool is out of our control. One day they're open, the next day they're closed. And then the next day the HOA meets and say, you know what, we're going to restrict people to per household to come in. Every time on the phone, compensation, it's ruined my holiday. I booked specifically for the pool and all of this we are very sympathetic to. And But when we are facilitating a shared resource that's mm-hmm. managed uh, by another company, it it, it, that's a hard thing. We can't guarantee the availability, even in a even in a good year. You know, swimming pool filters fail, and sometimes parts need to be ordered, and a pool is off, is offline for a few days. And of course, every community had different rules, so it was um, a moving target. Yes, we, we've changed our terms and conditions. We've we've looked back mm-hmm. at our terms, the, the terms and conditions of of rental, and how you know how we word those, and because we like to have you know something for absolutely every situation in our TNC so that you're not, you don't necessarily go back to those very often, but they are there in, if if you do get into a a bigger dispute. So, uh, so yes, Mm -hmm. we've, we've been revisiting those and making some changes. So, so something else that, uh, that I wanted to talk about was something that we started doing big time this year, and that was networking with other Mm -hmm. agencies and we set up a Facebook group and there was 11 agencies on the Facebook group. I mean, we, we've always been on good terms, but this time it was more to the point of, you know, I've got, I've got this family looking for, for something. I can't accommodate them. Who else can accommodate right. them? And then right. on, on one occasion, a family had booked a large property. It was very high end and, and the owner had a flood in the property the day before their two week vacation. Right. So and we knew right across the province, yeah. right across the province, there was nothing except right. I mean, we were taking on a new property that day and we were able to list it, right. get it all prepared and have them in the right. following day, purely due to that networking. Because otherwise yeah. we wouldn't have done it. You know, that that's something we are definitely taking ahead. Yeah. Well, you know that then that's good. I sadly that kind of resource doesn't exist in our area. We are in a hyper competitive market here. And I wish there was. I wish there was there was some kind of a local association. It's it's on my backlist at somewhere mm-hmm. back there to kind of put that forward at some point and spearhead it. But but right now, no. For us, we have an interesting partnership with a local hotel company in Rehoboth Beach, and we manage several vacation rental residences for them. So we work really closely with the hotel. We have a very close relationship with the general manager, his reservations, even his housekeeping staff. So we are constantly calling back and forth across each other saying, you know, we have this short notice. Do you have anything? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, Andy, we have a suite. It's not a house, but at least they'll have a microwave. They have overspilled. The hotel has had a very busy July and August. Um, they've had a similar experience to us. So we regularly work, you know, and it's interesting. People say in the lodging industry, it's either or. It's either a hotel or a vacation rental. And I can tell you, that's not always the case. We share the same guests mm-hmm. at different times of the year. And we may share a large group gathering for something like Thanksgiving, whereas they're not going to rent several suites in the middle of summer. And at a high 90 rate, they'll pick a house. So, yeah, yeah I think that's 
that's the closest we've come to, to, to your example. Yeah, if it's at the back of your mind, you bring it to the front. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, we're we're hyper competitive too. You know, I, there's yeah. there's there's three other agencies, four other agencies in our very rural area, and we're all going after the same guests, and we're all right. going after the same owners, and we all really work to much the same standards. I mean, we're all out there saying we are the best. Right. Um, but it, it it's been a, a just a great benefit to us, and it, it certainly is as as we go into more regulations coming on board now. So, right. uh, so talking about owners, how's your owner acquisition strategy? I mean, we we usually have we have two events each year: the Cottage Life Show in the spring and the Cottage Life Show right. in the fall, both of which were cancelled this year. So, so now we're in the position of saying, how do we get new owners? Because we have no publicly available records of addresses. We can't sort of mail out. To people. So, and I've just realized that's exactly what I was talking about this morning with my new hire when I checked my messages and <laughs> we were talking, I was saying to this gentleman that you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago about our owner acquisition strategy. And it made me think, do we have one? I mean, you know, is, is there a pattern to how we do this? So in terms of picking up new listings, uh, new owners, we do an annual, our big push every year is in the late summer, early fall. We do uh, one main mailer. I go to the tax records. Uh, we do one massive mailer. It's I start off with about 18,000 properties, and then my finance guy tells me to whittle it down. And normally we, we mail out to about 10,000 households. Uh, it's a closed envelope flyer with a little call to action on the envelope, so they open it. Mm-hmm. And then about six weeks later, we follow up with something a little more targeted to specific um, areas where we're seeing high guest demand that we're short on inventory. We'll follow up with a, with a two-sided postcard that's an open mailer. And that mailer typically brings in most of our new listings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did just, uh, over the course of the winter, I was approached by another realty company in the area. And you know, I'm, I'm a licensed realtor, so my company is licensed through Keller Williams Realty, but I own the vacation rental company. So Sotheby's in our area, another franchise realty company approached me and asked me if I would take over their short-term rental, vacation rental business. So we have, we have brokered with them a very interesting partnership. Uh, we acquired certain amounts of their inventory that was appropriate to our business model. And we have set up a referral partnership with their sales agents. So as they go through the sales cycles in our area, we are going to be receiving new vacation rental listing referrals. Okay. And and we are proactive in that and that we help the the agents when they work with buyers. We produce um, pro formas, investment pro formas that show uh, likely return of mortgage offsets and here's your projected rental income for the summer. And then we were able to chime in also and offer some basic interior design advice and give them a rough idea of startup costs if they mm. if they decide to go the rental route. Um, so that's probably the biggest part of our own acquisition. And chatting with uh, my new hire this morning, you know, I, we were fortunate enough that the, this new hire came to us, and I don't want to adver- do any advertising here. The new hire came from a, mu- a large multinational company. He was relocating from California, and I was thrilled when when he replied to an ad that we had online. And we actually opened up a position for him that we really weren't hiring for. So we've hired him in a senior management capacity, and he's going to be helping us build out a new property management division and also work with me on business development. So he was asking me this morning about my owner acquisition strategy, and I was like, gee, <laughs> that's why you're here. You're here to help focus me. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know this this is this is a big thing for us at the moment because we we have lost we have lost inventory. And yeah, I, I I'm, I'm sure the same as you, you know, we we we've seen this this massive the best year ever in 18 years. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want that momentum to drop right. off. Yeah. So and, so and there's a number of things, you know, with inventory, and we can get into this if you like, there are certain things that we've had to do this year to really tighten up our pro- protocols around COVID. But we are going to be keeping these things in place because we were heading in that direction anyway. And an example of that would be bedding. You know, we, like I think most companies, we inherit with our properties a complete mishmash of bedding solutions in the properties. And they are a logistical nightmare to keep laundered. So I was pushed into, I did a proof of concept of hotel linens for this summer. And that's gone very well for the properties that we piloted with. So we will be rolling that out to every property next year. So now when we go to a new listing appointment, we already have a bedding guide for our owners, which they mm-hmm. will have to agree to. And we can still factor in the owner has their nice favorite floral comforter. We can still get that out of an owner closet when we're anticipating an owner to check in. But when there's a guest staying, they will be checking into standard hotel quality white linens that we have a commercial contract to launder on. So having you know we've been pushed into a housekeeping solution that i really i didn't really didn't want to go in that direction and when i asked dirk johnson i said you know i said dirk i'm assuming that most companies outsource housekeeping cleaning linens and i said i'm assuming that as the company scale they slowly bring it in house he said andy actually most people start off with some form of in-house housekeeping and maintenance and property management he said you're actually pretty rare he said you're actually now reluctantly get pulled into it so that's a big change for us for next year a lot of the things that we've done this year and a lot of the owner visits we've had much more owner time bookings this year because the owners are generally professionals they're all working from home and their their kids are homeschooling as well online learning so we've had more owner time bookings this summer than ever and we've had to sort of fit them in between guests which means in a normal spring, we have our spring opening. Every few weeks, we go through another property reopening. You know, we have to reset it after owner time. And that's just been a huge amount of work. Mm. And we've had to look carefully at managing owner expectations relative to the workload of reopening a property. You know, an owner would get back up to Washington, D.C., for instance, on a Sunday night and call us and say, hey, Andy, I forgot to tell you the washing machine was making a funny noise when I left on on Saturday. And I think, oh, man, we have a guest arriving, you know, tomorrow. Uh, it would have been nice. It's a Sunday. I can't get anybody out Sunday night. You know, and that's our normal spring for us. Or they would say, hey, Andy, we decided we were going to put all the deck furniture inside. We didn't need it this week. And I think, well, gee, now we have to go and put all the furniture back out again. That means I have to schedule two rather burly team members that can lift furniture. You know, it, it's it's been a, a challenge. But you've got through it. Yeah. And, you, you know, some that. owners will not come back to us next year because mm-hmm. they've been quite nervous about renting. And they are typically owners in conversations with them. They are typically owners that we really didn't really want to rent in the first place, but financially they decided they needed to. We've had one owner who wanted to take her property off of the rental inventory, and we already had the property booked for the summer. Uh, we had to work and, and rebook those guests in other properties. And, you know, that is not a good position to be in. From a, a guest services standpoint, you know, and you're juggling the owner requirements versus the guests, you know, there's there's no good way out of that scenario. And that owner probably will not come back next year. 
Yeah, we did a number of those. And, you know, it's almost like natural selection. Mm -hmm. I think some of the owners have selected themselves out of um, the program. Hey, we've, I can't believe we've been talking for 40 minutes now. And um, I'm going (laughs) to have to wrap There's so much we didn't get to. I know. There's so much we didn't get to. We are going to be uh, talking again soon. We are going to be setting something new up. Again, not going to go into it right now. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited about it. But uh, it will be more of what we've been talking about here, but on, on very specific topics, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. We have lot, lots of interesting topics lined up, and I can't wait to get started with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything to do with those some of the photographs you've been sending me? Oh, man. <laughs> bunk beds, you know. I have a whole segment on bunk beds. You know. The big yeah. of my life, I hate them. <laughs> did you i i sent you the one with the with the microwave in the washroom yeah i don't know you can't you you look through these photos and you think you can't make this up <laughs> I know. but we will we'll, when we do that it's going to be it's going to be a, a short much shorter little podcast that will be in addition to the main one and it will be um a video as well so we can show some some of these photos so that is that <laughs> yeah. is something that's coming guys in the fall and the winter so watch this space hey andy yeah. as ever you know just just an absolute delight to talk to you we, we've still got to we've still got to come up with a with a title for our new little project and i i love the i love brits and pieces <laughs> if anybody out there has got any suggestions let me know yeah please because i i love puns and my staff hate me they're they're always groaning <laughs> so so please don't let me name this <laughs> oh i may well just do i may well just do <laughs> hey andy that was that was that's absolutely fantastic thanks so much for joining me thank you heather always a, always a pleasure thank you Hey, Andy, that was a great discussion. Thank you so much for joining me. As I mentioned in there, you know, networking with other property managers or other hosts, if you're an independent host, is just so important. It's so nice to talk to other people and to get that feeling that you're not in this alone. And I know for years and years, I went through this at the very beginning of my property manager career it did feel like we were all on our own because other managers just weren't sharing anything. They didn't want to know us. We were the new kids on the block. But but things have changed now and people are far more open, more collaborative and much more open to networking. So if you haven't started networking with your nearby hosts and property managers, Make that a task for over your quiet time. If winter is your quiet time, if it's quiet time for you now because of COVID, make time to start connecting with some of your competitors. Because, you know, while they'll always remain as competitors because you're going after the same market, whether it's going after owners or going after guests, presenting a united front when it comes to dealing with things like regulations and legislation is just so special. It's so it's so important. And you can put aside your competitive nature when you get together and network like this. And in fact, for us, uh, over the co- over the course of the summer, it um, it it really worked, as I, as I mentioned. So before I go, I do want to mention the book direct show, which is coming up at the end of next week. 
the 29th and 30th of September 2020, if you're listening at the time of publication. There's loads of great presentations, over 50 of them. So if you haven't bought your ticket yet, I suggest you go over and do that. But I saw a clip of one presentation and I just wanted to bring that to you today because it really resonated with me. And it got me really thinking about branding as we are moving into our new new website and really wanting to develop that branding now that we are just about 100% uh, book direct. So I just wanted to play this short clip from Steve Kopandi's presentation because I just think it's great. Here we go. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like someone. Whoa. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like someone. Whoa. Name the song. Shotgun. Name the artist. George Ezra. Name the record label. No one gives a shit. The direct connection is with the artist. It's the artist who has the personality. No one gives a shit who you buy the product off. They care about the person delivering the experience. That's you. That's the operator on the ground versus the OTA. Establish a direct customer relationship with your brand. Okay. Say you meet your partner on Match.com, right? When you introduce your partner, you don't talk about Match.com and how wonderful Match.com is. You talk about how wonderful your partner is. Your partner is the brand. Your partner is the thing that you have the direct connection with. Match.com, just like an OTA, was just an introduction agency. No one cares about that brand. You You establish a direct relationship with your partner, and now she's booking direct with you every night. I love that. I really, I, uh, Deborah Lavi posted that on the Book Direct Show Facebook group recently, and I, I've listened to it a hundred times. Apart from the fact that that I'll be riding shotgun is my earworm for the next three weeks. I think it just resonated with me because I thought the message was really, really good, and and it all comes you know, for, for those for those people who are saying, well, nobody knows who I am, but they know who Airbnb is. Well, your task is to show people who you are, develop your brand. So I, for one, will be listening to Steve's presentation at the Book Direct show next week. I hope you will come along and get your ticket for the show as well, because it's just great. I just love the amount of people who are there who are delivering sort of pure actionable presentations not, you know, high level strategy stuff that, that really, you know, it's, it's same old, same old. And I'm sorry, I have nothing against, you know, listening to people talking about strategy and what Google's going to do and what booking.com is going to do. But when it comes down to it, folks, we've got to do our own thing because if we don't get our own thing right, then working with those other companies is not going to be successful. So get your ticket to the Book Direct show and take some action. I will be following up after the Book Direct show because I'm going to be watching as many of these as I possibly can over that couple of days. And I will be following up, talking to some of the presenters and picking out some of those actions that I believe are really going to work for you. 
So hope to see you there. Well, sort of, because I, I won't be there live. But uh, after my presentation, can't remember what day it is, but I will be around to answer questions if necessary. And I'm, I might even do, I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I might do a Facebook Live or something like that, something that, um, that I, or, or maybe a Zoom call. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. And, and I'll get back to you on that, whatever comes to mind. But uh, as you can tell, I'm excited about this. I think that uh, Damien Sheridan and his team have done an amazing job putting this together. And I do hope it's going to be super successful for them as well. So that's it for me this week. It's been a lovely entry into fall for us because uh, you know business is, is beginning to not reduce altogether, but it's beginning to slacken off a little bit. And it is quite nice. It gives us some more time to take on board some new projects and to plan for 2021. So let me know what you think. Let me know what your plans are from 20, for 2021. What did you learn from this crazy, crazy summer? And how is that going to impact your business activities in the future? It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.